Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to Money for the Rest of Us, a personal finance show on money, how it works, how to invest it, and how to live without worrying about it. I'm your host, David Stein, and today is episode 143. It's titled... Are you investing, speculating, or gambling? There is a street in the city of Campeche, Mexico, that must rank among the steepest streets in North America, which generally have gradients of 30% or more. I was at the bottom of the hill on this street and hesitated before deciding to ascend it in our rented 2017 Volkswagen Gold with a manual transmission. I learned to drive a stick way back. I was probably maybe 19. I learned on a Honda Accord. And and off and on, I've had sticks. So I I think I'm pretty good at it. But this was a really, really steep hill. The goal is a Brazilian-made VW with a 1.6-liter engine and 101 horsepower. A car costs $9,200 new. Now, I know this because... When you rent cars in Mexico, it's always a negotiation in terms of will you have to pay the so-called optional insurance? And I was in the budget office, budget car rental in Playa del Carmen. I had gone to American Express. I had a printed letter showing I had insurance through my credit card company. And we went back and forth and, and they insisted that I needed to take insurance. And, and I said, no, I didn't. So at the end, They took a $9,200 deposit on my American Express card so that I could could drive without paying the extra $30 a day for insurance because we're renting a car for a month and it's costing around $10 a day without the insurance. I'll self-insure and get it through my insurance company. So I'm at the bottom of the hill. I start the climb and about halfway up the hill, the RPMs are high enough, I'm going to shift. So I shifted into second gear. That was a mistake. Five seconds later, the gradient got steeper and the car could no longer climb with the transmission in second. Literally, the engine did not have enough power to go up any higher. The VW stopped before I could get it back into first gear. And there we sat, feet on the brake and clutch, our backs pressed against the seats, looking toward the sky. Now, the pro was in in the passenger seat. She has a video of this, and you you can go to moneyfortherestofus.net, the show notes for this week's episode, watch the video, you can see me basically get stopped at a standstill. And if you remember my insider's guide, you already got links to those show notes, and you can, you can sign up for that at moneyfortherestofus.net and get all the show notes emailed to you immediately after the show is released, along with the summary article. And go. you can sign up for that at moneyfortherestofus.net. That's free. Or if you're a U.S.-based listener, go to or text the word INSIDER to the number 44222. So there we were, stuck on the hill. The first thing I thought of was a video taken in Moab, Utah. 
that I, I've seen many years ago. And we've talked about the availability heuristic. What comes to mind first is, is what our memory comes up with. And that's what it came up with. I'm on the hill and I see this video of Moab, Utah, of an out-of-control Jeep rolling backwards down a steep incline and then crashing. The second thing I thought of was the $9,200 deposit on the car. Now, I'll tell you what happened in a moment. But first, Harvard physicist Lisa Randall in Edge wrote, We all work in terms of effective theories. We find descriptions that match what we actually see, interact with, and measure. The fact that a more fundamental description can underlie what we observe is pretty much irrelevant irrelevant until we have access to any effects that differentiate that description. That's effective theory. I'll talk a little bit more about that, about that. But The Economist recently profiled the scientific work of Andrew Jirashi, whose laboratory equipment comprises a glass bead 300 billionths of a meter across, held in a lattice of laser light inside an airless chamber. The device, according to the article, is used to detect forces a few billionths of a trillionth of a newton. Jirasi works at this extremely small scale and with precise measurements because he is searching for, quote, deviations from Newton's inverse square law of gravity, which is that the gravitational force between two objects is inversely proportional to the square of the distance between them. I've not taken physics since high school, so I'm not exactly sure what that meant, but he's working in the lab with this very, very delicate equipment. So Lisa Randall on effective theory goes on and says, Newton's laws work extremely well. They are sufficient to devise the path by which we can send a satellite to the far reaches of the solar system and to construct a bridge that won't collapse. Or in my case, to describe what will happen when I release the brake on a VW goal while resting on a hill if I am not able to shift into gear fast enough. Randall goes on. Yet, we know quantum mechanics and relativity are the deeper underlying theories of gravity. Newton's laws are approximations that work at relatively low speeds and for large macroscopic objects. What's more is that an effective theory tells us precisely its limitations, the conditions and values of parameters for which the theory breaks down. The laws of effective theory succeed until we reach its limitations, when these assumptions are no longer true, or our measurements or requirements become increasingly precise. Effective theory is how we approach our lives. There's just too much information to know everything about every topic, And consequently, we focus on what is most relevant in the moment. When I'm sitting on the hill, I don't care about quantum mechanics and the inverse law of gravity. I know I'm going to go backward. I'm in a macroscopic object, a Volkswagen goal. Randall writes, we use a map that has the scale we need. It's pointless to know all the small streets around you when you're barreling down a highway. I often see beginning investors ignore this concept of effective theory. Instead of focusing on investment principles that work on longer-term timescales, such as building a diversified portfolio comprised of multiple asset classes, 
implemented through index funds and ETFs, they instead are attracted to the investment equivalent of quantum mechanics. For example, I recently received an email from Jesse, who is in his early 30s. He is a daughter who is coming up on her first birthday. And with Jesse's wife ready to go back to work, they have the added expense of daycare to consider. Jesse says he has a decent job in the auto industry, but he writes, I have always had this idea in my head that if I could just earn an extra $500 to $1,000 a month, things would be so much easier. When it comes to investing, I'm not looking to make millions of dollars or anything like that. I am just looking to make a little extra to help offset the everyday expenses we have and not feel like I'm living paycheck to paycheck. It would be nice to have a small amount of disposable income at the end of every month. Now, Jesse started participating in his company's retirement plan just at the beginning of 2016. He contributed $950 in 2016, and his company provided a 50% match. The investment return, according to the statement, not counting the match, was 13.3% in 2016. And at the end of the year, he had a balance of $1,522. Jesse wanted to know if that was a decent return. And a 13% return in 2016, now I believe he's based in Canada and the Canadian stock market did very well. That That is a, an excellent return and above what I expect the stock market to earn annualized over the next decade. And, and that brings out the point. We need context to understand what is a reasonable rate of return that, that anchors us and helps us from folk, to, to basically have an effective theory of what's What's a reasonable rate of return? Because he's looking to, to – he's not thinking of rate of return. He's thinking of how can I take some capital and make some additional money on a monthly basis? So that was his, his first question. Is that a decent return? But it was his second question that caught me off guard because Jesse's – he's a beginning investor. He's just starting his retirement plan, and here's his question. He wanted to know my thoughts – on binary options trading. Now, I've invested and traded options. I'm familiar with them, but I I had not heard of this concept, binary options trading. And I I researched it. We're going to describe it in this episode. Jesse suspected, as he did some additional research, that it was a scam. But he was still intrigued. He wrote, from what I have heard, I can invest $200 to $300 and see a half-decent return. It's all automated as well, where you set all the trading options and limits and just let it trade for you. It sounds a little too good to be true, but I'm just wondering if it's worth a shot. If I lose a couple hundred, it's not going to be the end of the world. Now, binary option trading on its surface seems simple, and there's ads out there promising you can make hundreds of dollars per hour, but it's it's complex. Once you look into it in more detail, it, it, is, it is much more con- complex. And it's success because there are successful traders out there. But with any, any investment, we always have to look on who is on the other side of the trade in the sense of binary options, at least as I looked at them, are traded on an exchange. They can be traded on an exchange. So Nadex is, I joined 
as in terms of my exploration, I looked at Nadex. And Nadex is an exchange, which means if I'm buying a binary option, somebody is selling it to me. Now, there are also binary options where there's not an exchange. You're just buying the option from a broker, and then if you if with your winnings, the broker's just paying it out. So they're on the other side of the trade, the broker. And the binary options, to be successful, it depends on having a steady stream of naive investors on the other side of the trade. Because the winner's investment spoils come at the expense of unsophisticated investors' losses. And, and that's one reason there's all these ads for it, because the more people they can get in, then those that actually know what they're doing can, can effectively take advantage of them. But we'll look at it in more detail. First, Jesse made over 60% last year investing with his retirement account, including the company match, because he gets a 50% match. And so I think, and and I'm hesitant to give Jesse advice, but I, I can certainly say don't pursue binary options now that I researched that, and we'll learn why that's the case. But I think he's better off spending his time in in the auto industry, increasing the amount of money he can contribute to the tiring plan. Is he, are you maxing it out? Are you getting if you can get a 50% return by putting money in your retirement plan, that that's a start. Now, later in this episode, we'll talk about perhaps some other things Jesse can do in terms of eventually making more money. But the reality is it can be humbling to admit when something is beyond our capabilities. When we have to settle for an effective theory rather than explore the complexities and underlying forces. I'm never going to study quantum mechanics. I've read books about it. It's pretty fascinating. I won't be an expert. But the effective theory, I know what's going to happen on a hill in my rented VW goal. And what I did is I made one attempt to get into first gear, and that car started rolling backwards, and I panicked, and I slammed on the brake, and then... I gradually eased off the brake and I let the car slowly retreat down the hill and went a different way. Now, later, my son said, well, you could have actually engaged the emergency brake and got into the gear that way. But in the heat of the moment, I didn't think about that at all. Before we explore whether binary options trading is investing, speculating or gambling, just a few words from this week's sponsors. We have a brand new sponsor to our show. It's Yahoo Finance. Yahoo's been around for decades. My first email outside of work was a Yahoo email address. But the financial side, I've used on occasion primarily to get data for dividend histories for particular funds or ETFs. But I was pleasantly surprised to get back on Yahoo Finance to see how it's evolved over the years. Now it's really a financial dashboard where you can get an understanding of what's going on with the markets. There are relevant articles from Bloomberg, Reuters, the Associated Press, and the Yahoo Finance team. You can look at the economic events calendar and see which data series are being released that day and what the consensus is. You can see the pulse of the markets at any time by going to Yahoo Finance. In addition, you could see all of your investments in retirement accounts in one place. With Yahoo Finance, you get a consolidated view of multiple accounts. Yahoo Finance serves as a financial hub for your retirement accounts, but also comprehensive financial news and analysis. You need to check out Yahoo Finance, particularly if you haven't been there in a while. 
Check it out at yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. If you've been using Mint to manage your finances, you know they shut down several months ago. Well, let me tell you about the budgeting solution, the financial tracking solution I've been using for the past number of months. It's Monarch Money. Monarch Money is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets like I've done. You can set goals, collaborate with your partner. And now you can get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com David. What I like about Monarch is the ability to customize what I want to see. I have custom budget categories, and then I can go on to the dashboard and see where I'm above trend on some of my spending. I especially like that Monarch will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying Monarch myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com David. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash David for your extended 30-day free trial. So how do binary options work? This is from the U.S. Security and Exchange Commission. They write... Binary options are securities in the form of option contracts whose payout depends on whether the underlying asset, for instance, a company's stock, increases or decreases in value. In such an all-or-nothing payout structure, and that's an important point, it's all-or-nothing, investors betting on a stock price increase face two possible outcomes when the contract expires. They either receive a predetermined amount of money if the value of the asset increased over the fixed period, or no money at all if it decreased. And the way that most of these contracts are set up is if the particular, for example, I I explored binary options on the S&P futures contract. And so you have the designated price, which is called the, st- the strike price. And so if at the end of the, the period when the contract expires, and it's typically the time frame is hours. It can be a day or it can be a week or longer. But generally, many of, the, many of these traders are doing it within hours. And I took a deep dive in looking at these binary options contracts on the S&P 500 futures contract that expired in at the end of the day. So essentially five hours. So if it expires above the strike price, if you went long the option or you bought the option to open, then you would get $100. And if it closed below the stock price, you would get nothing and you would lose the amount that you paid for the option. And we're going to walk through a detailed example in a minute. So that that's how they work. And it seems simple. If you example, if you read Nadex, this is from their website. With binary options, you can make a yes-no decision about a market's direction and get a relatively quick result. At expiration, the market only has to be one tick in your favor for you to get the full payout of $100 per contract. In effect, you only have to be a little bit right to get the maximum profit. And you also have the flexibility to exit a trade early, either to lock in profits or cut your losses. Sounds simple. Just has to be one point above $100 to get the full payout. But they don't say, and this is a framing mechanism. When you see these ads, they always frame it for the positive. They don't say, or if you're a little bit wrong, you will get 
the maximum loss. Nadex also writes on their site, binary options can provide a profit opportunities even when the underlying market does not. The all-or-nothing outcome means that even if the underlying market is just one tick above the strike price and you are a buyer, you will still get the full $100 payout. They don't say, or one tick below the strike price and you will lose your entire investment. Now, are binary options speculation, speculation, an investment, or a gamble? There was an article, the Center for International Finance and Regulation released a report in September 2016. It was authored by Dr. Kingsley Jones. It was titled Product Design and Financial Literacy. And he did a case study on binary options. And in the conclusion of this study, he gave a a great definition of investment, speculation, or gamble. He says an investment is a bet of prospective positive return with reasonable statistical reliability. An example is stocks or bonds. We There's an income stream with stocks. There's an income stream with bonds. It's reasonable expectation that the return will be positive over a long enough holding period. He says a speculation is a bet, which there is a viable disagreement on the sign of the return. Well, it will be positive or negative. An example of that is gold. Gold doesn't have an income stream. And so when you're buying gold, there's a form of speculation because its price is essentially determined by market forces. And hopefully it'll be positive. I own gold, and but I recognize it's not a traditional investment where there's a, an absolute positive expectation for return because there isn't an income stream. Now, what's a gamble? A gamble, according to... Jones is a bet of prospective negative return with reasonable statistical reliability. Gambling, when you go to Las Vegas, the house is has basically an advantage. Otherwise, they'd go out of business. And, and so the expectation is you're going to have a negative return. Now, you're willing to suffer through that because of the entertainment value. So think about that. The house has an advantage. So if you're buying a binary option, not on an exchange, but just through a broker, and the broker is on the other side of the trade, how are they going to set up that that those formulas, those contracts? It's going to be in their favor. You're going to have to be a very, very good predictor in order to beat the house because the expectation is it's a negative return. And that is a form of gambling. Now, I explored it on Nadex, which is an exchange, which means somebody's on the other side of the trade. Is that gambling also? Well, here's what I found out. I looked at S&P futures contract. So this was the end of January 2017, about the 26th of January. It was on a day where the market for the S&P 500 was essentially flat. It hadn't moved when I was looking at these prices. The reference price on Nadex, or the strike price, was 22 – well, no, the current price is the reference price. So what was it, What was the futures contract? This was March futures on the S&P 500, which are U.S. large company stocks. It was trading – the reference price for the futures was 22.94. And at the time, I took a screenshot – what, it was twenty two ninety four, and I'll put a picture of of this screenshot in the show notes, and you'll be able to see it was also twenty nine twenty two ninety four, and so it was right there to where if it went up, 
If you were long, you'd get a payout. And if you were expecting, if you had sold short and expecting to stay below the strike price, you would get a payout. So the, the interesting thing is, well, what is the pricing? What would you have to buy that option at this time? Well, the offer price to go long was $52.25, which means that if the S&P future price was above, it, it closed above $22.94, your profit would be the $100 payout on the contract, less the $52.25 you paid, less a dollar commission. So $46.75. If it sold below that amount, Again, the offer price was $52.25. You would have lost $52.25. So your loss was greater than the gain. And so if we calculate you know, what was the expected return, you can say, well, if there's a 50% chance that I'll earn $46.75 and a 50% chance that I'll lose $53.25 because you get to also pay the commission there of a dollar, then your expected negative return is negative three, or essentially a loss of $3.25. It's expected. That's what gambling is. The expected payoff is negative. And so there's a concept called gambler's ruin, which is a complicated calculation that I, that I went through. But it showed that you needed to be correct 53.25% of the time, not to lose all your money. Because the expectation is that there will be a loss because the price is for what essentially would be a 50-50 bet. You're paying over $50 for it. So your gain is going to be less than your loss. Now, I went through the math. If you if you sold it short and you expected, again, the 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 price of the SP future to, to settle or to close below the strike price, you could go short. That also had an expected negative return of negative. Now, one of the thoughts was, well, the stock market's usually up, then it is down. And that's actually true. In from 1950 to 2016, according to Crestmont Research, that market was up 53.6% of the days, and it was down 46.4% of days. In 2016, the market, the SP 500, was up 52% and down 48% of the days. But in 2015, it was 47.2% up. 52.8% 52.8% down. And so you needed to be correct over 54% of the time. And that's going to be very, very, very difficult to do. So how do you get an edge? How do traders make money on this? Well, they have a strategy. If you, if, and it drives me nuts when you listen to traders, well, you need a strategy to invest. Well, what strategy should you use? Here's John Kane. He does the options, the binary today podcast. I don't know who he is. You read online, some people say he's a scam artist, other people don't. I have no idea. He was just, he searched for binary options podcast. He had one. I listened to an episode. He says, we actually study, he's a trader, he's got his income report, says he's making thousands of dollars a year, a month, a month, like tens of thousand dollars a month trading. He says, we actually study the charts and do everything we can to find new ways to succeed. I'm always looking at new pairs, new timeframes, new indicators that will enhance my winnings. Binary option systems on the market right now that are fully are fully automated. He says you click a button and it's supposed to make you thousands of dollars. It simply doesn't work. Now he's in the business. He says these automated systems like Jesse was working at looking at, they don't work. Because ultimately the binary 
options market has an expected negative outcome. You have to have a huge informational edge in order to make money because the expectation is that the house is going to win, the exchange is going to win, and you're not going to be able to to make money at it. Now, why is there so much hype about it? Because there's a huge amount of affiliate income. If you can get somebody to open up a brokerage account by clicking on your link, then they get a payout. Or if you can get somebody to buy a trading system, then whoever sold it gets a commission. And so there's a huge amount of people trying to make money on affiliate income, not actually by trading. So binary options, because they have a negative expected outcome, are gambling. Now, if Jesse wants to take a couple hundred dollars, you play around with it, I I don't have a problem with that. But you just have to go in, recognize that that is what it is. It is not investing. It's not even speculating. It's gambling. And and so you you experiment it, but that's not going to allow him to earn a couple hundred dollars a month. He perhaps needs a side project. I read a book back in early 2000s called Discover your strengths. It's by Marcus Buckingham and Donald O'Clifton. I think there's follow-up versions called Strength Strength Finder 2.0. But they said there's three things that that com- combine to create a strength. You have a talent, so it's innate. You have skill, so you learn it. And you have knowledge, situation-specific. You've learned things. You know the effective theory to apply in the particular domain and the particular time frame. That's what we should be focusing on, investing in ourselves, where we have some strengths, where we combine our talents, our skills, and our knowledge. None of us, very few of us, have the knowledge and skills that you really, really need to to dig in to do binary options trading, to perhaps get some type of informational edge. I I would rather try to get informational edge in investing where there's a positive expected outcome, not something where there's a negative expected outcome, and your winnings depend on finding naive investors. He says in this this book that you know you have a strength when you feel effective when you're doing it. And before you do it, you look forward to it. And when you're doing it, you feel inquisitive and focused, and afterwards you, you feel fulfilled and authentic. For some people, that is investing. For, for me, it's podcasting and learning and connecting the dots. And, and you go through the Strength Finder books, and it says some of my innate talents are, are input. I like a lot of input. That's why I like to travel and get input and get ideas and then combine them together in terms of a strategy. That, that's what I think Jesse – and I, and I empathize with his situation. He, he has – he needs some more money. He's living paycheck to paycheck. But focus on your strengths, your talents – and experiment, find side projects, find things that have an expected positive outcome like investing in yourself. So that's episode 143. You can get show notes, as I mentioned, at moneyfortherestofus.net. Everything I've shared with you in this episode has been for general education only. I've not considered your specific profile, risk profile. I've not provided investment advice or gambling advice for that matter. Simply general education on money, investing in the economy. Have a great week.